Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 110 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about downhill running and we're going to have an interview with the Revel Race Series. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 110 hey ryan hey daddy doesn't that sound like a big number it does it's a lot of it's a lot of episodes <laughs> a lot of episodes yes so again like I say every week, we're Ryan and Letty. Welcome if you're new. And thank you for tuning back in if you are a repetitive, um, a chronic listener. <laughs> I don't know why I can't <laughs> think of the word. Uh, we do a weekly marathon podcast on all things running. We try to bring experts to you on training, nutrition, mental training, and we bring inspiring stories from our audience and other people from other runners and this week, we are going to talk about downhill running. Sounds easier than uphill running. It does. And it's something that we do here a lot in Florida. Honestly, though, I actually like don't like too downhill of a run. Makes it harder, I think. But a light downhill would be nice. And no, in Florida, we have no hills. Yeah, I actually disagree with you. I feel like I like light downhills but i don't mind if it's a downhill that really makes you gain momentum i always say it's the one time in life where i actually like gravity <laughs> yeah i guess it's true so but why is downhill running so hard i mean i guess i'm not experienced enough i've not done very 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 low long runs as the downhill runs, I'm just talking about running down little pieces, maybe a half a mile of downhill. But can you imagine running a 26.2 marathon? I don't know why I said 26.2, they're all 26.2. But can you imagine running a marathon downhill only? I prefer my marathons at 26.1. No, but um, I mean, there's probably very few, if any, that are completely downhill. You'd be surprised, Ryan, because today we're actually talking to a company called the Revel Marathon Series, and they particularly pick courses because they're beautiful and because they are downhill. So when you look at their maps and elevation charts, you'll see a drop of about 4,000 feet. So you're looking at a drop of about 4,000 feet in those in a total of 26.2 miles. So the, it's a pretty aggressive downhill. I would say it's not your usual, you know, few hundred, maybe a thousand. This is this is a serious downhill race. It's known for it. They got it certified to be a Boston qualifier. And 
I'm all signed up with them to run the Big Bear and the Mount Charleston marathons this November and next April. That's a lot of downhill. It really is. And Can you just ride a skateboard or something? I would a hundred times prefer to run over skateboarding or doing anything with wheels on it because I feel like I would knock my teeth out. Probably, knowing your luck. <laughs> so, you know, like I always say to people, I feel like this race is going to go one of two ways. Either you'll really PR, meaning you'll break your marathon time and have a brand new time because this gravity is helping you, or you're going to hurt because you're not used to this type of drop, right? Um, and I guess in in right now is the time to ask you, why is running downhill so hard? Yeah, I mean, with running downhill, I mean, a lot of times, you know, people are just maybe not used to it, for one. And if it's steep enough downhill, you're actually just having to put in the work to slow yourself down. So uphill, you're putting in the work to trying to keep yourself moving forward. But downhill, it's the opposite. Because you, know, you so, keep gaining momentum? Yeah, so if it's steep enough, it could be worse, for sure. Well, I wonder what angle of downhill is required for you to keep gaining momentum without being able to stop where it's like completely uncomfortable. It's funny because downhill, you hit the muscle contractions where it's like concentric contraction when you're pushing your muscles or pushing your body forward or out. And eccentric when you're slowing stuff down, basically like putting on the brakes. It's kind of electric vehicles make a good example, you know, like you're regenerative raping, breaking. But unfortunately, the body doesn't regenerate. It still uses energy each way. <laughs> but yeah, there's got to be some point at which, you know, it becomes harder. Also, like when you're going uphill, if you think about it, when your legs extended, your next step is not as far down as your previous so in reality there's like kind of less acceleration or force on the joints potentially but when you're going downhill you know you're going from a higher spot to your next step is slightly lower so you have further to go and potentially more impact and stuff when you're running downhill so it could be harder on parts of your body in some ways i can see that i can literally picture the the biology of it. <laughs> so is that why it hurts so much? Is it Does it hurt so much because it stresses areas that we're usually not using as much, you think? I think that's part of it, yeah. And potentially it can put more stress on something than, than running uphill. So which muscle groups are we talking about? are going to hurt when you run downhill? Because I heard it's the quads, but then I read online that it was your ankles more. I don't know. I mean, I, thought, I think a lot of that has to do with technique. The running technique that you're using? I think anything, yeah. I mean, if you're running if you're running at a normal pace in a normal... Like if you're running on level ground, right, your body is just basically trying to stay above the ground. It's not trying to go higher. It's not trying to go lower or anything else. But if you're and if you're running uphill, you know each step you take is a shorter than the spot that you went before. So like when you're running uphill, your next step is not a is closer to you than where you were, right? Oh yeah, if you flatten it out, it would look funny because you're kind of dribbling, right? Yeah, so you're trying to your next step is 
your leg is not moving down as far as it was the previous. But if you're running downhill, your next step is further down than the one before. So if you think of it as like every time you impact the ground, if you're falling into your impact, it's going to be faster and maybe more stressful on your joints and your legs than if you're stepping up into the next impact in a way. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and I guess along with that, we're going to give our listeners a few tips. And those tips make a lot of sense, especially if we start talking about how to run downhill. And number one is to take shorter steps, right? Because if you quicken your cadence and you shorten your steps that you feed land closer to your center of gravity, then you're going to avoid that pain that you would feel in your ankles by overstriding, right? Yeah, well, you're going to fall less, yeah. You're going to fall less. And you're going to have less speed or acceleration towards the ground if you have shorter steps. Okay, so tip number one is to take shorter steps. All right, so tip number two is to lean slightly forward. Um, you lean forward to match the incline of the slope that you're running on in order to keep your center of gravity, well, centered. So even though it seems like you might want to lean backwards, when you lean backwards, you're actually breaking and you're not taking advantage of the gravity that allows you to pull forward. What I do when I run down well, our bridge, our, our hill training, is I it's very effortless and I kind of almost shake my hands when I do it and I really relax into it. And I'm able to run downhill at a much faster pace without a lot of effort leaning forward. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting and important. I think, you know, like I was, I was telling you before, like they've done some research into the speed of sprinters and stuff. And a lot of speed had to do to the, do with the um, amount of impact or a lot of amount of force that people, the people could put into the ground and basically that's like you put force into the ground and that allows you to switch your feet for the next step right so if you the more force you put in the ground the higher you can get off the ground and the more distance and you can have to your next step which that's for sprinting but if you're running downhill you know you're going to have a lot of force into the ground. You don't, you're trying to decelerate, but you want to try to, instead of decelerating so much, you want to try to just relax and be easy and allow the gravity to help you go forward. I feel like, because you just told me about that whole thing of, you know, almost trampling to... Like push through the ground. Push through the ground. You just told me about that last week and I tried it and I feel like it works and it makes complete sense that it would also make you faster going downhill because gravity is helping you create that impact into the ground that allows yeah. you to go faster on so top of that. My point is kind of like, yeah, try to make that like almost think of it like a rubber band or like a spring when you're putting whatever force you're getting from gravity, just return that force immediately back in order to stay above the ground, right? As opposed to being like a shock absorber and trying to suck up that energy and then going off to your next step because that's just going to burn a lot of energy. But if you kind of feel like you're just... And that's what's good about taking shorter steps if it's like too steep a downhill to where you're having to slow down. You can't... re you know, re regenerate that energy back into the ground, you do shorter steps. So then you can just push that energy that you're getting from gravity right back into the ground for your next step. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. 
don't know if I said that nicely or not. You did very nicely, Ryan. So the next tip that we have is to keep your arms low. So running with your arms low on the body gives you more balance. Don't move your arms in a typical fashion. And um, when you keep your arms low and on your sides, you're also additionally stable as you descend. So, you know, it's it's easy to keep your arms up when you're running because you are trying hard. But when you are going downhill... I feel like it does help you with your balance to keep your arms low and it also reminds you to relax into the pace because there's nothing worse than straining your downhill run. Use the gravity <laughs> to help you, right? Yeah, I think um, you should run where you're comfortable. But anytime you, it is true that if you lower your center of gravity, you should be more stable. Yeah, true. Maybe I didn't even say that, but that makes sense. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's um, more relevant if it's like a uh, trail run as opposed to street. Or, I mean, if someone doesn't feel stable, I guess they should always try it. So another tip that we have on how to run downhill is actually to just go ahead and practice it, especially if you are signed up for a race that goes downhill. There is no substitution. There is nothing in theory that can help you more than actually going out and doing it. It's very difficult for us in Florida to do that here, but we have found ourselves some bridges that are 0.25 miles that we run up and down. Um, we do it early in the morning, so the drivers don't see us <laughs> doing that in the dark because I am kind of embarrassed by it, but that's one thing you can do is just to practice it. Are just things perfect? Yeah, there's no substitution for practicing running down hills to prepare your body to handle these, as you call them, eccentric contractions and decrease the negative effects and improve your performance on those uh, net descent courses. So another tip that we have is that. So Ryan, obviously we're going to tell our listeners to also research a little bit on what strength training exercises could prepare them best to run those miles on downhill. So obviously the muscles most affected are, well, you got to strengthen your ankles, right? And then your glutes and maybe your quads. But I mean, anything, I think if you think about it, when you're running downhill, you, we talk about being a higher impact. So anything that can support or strengthen those joints is good. I think, um, you know, some of the making sure the joints can handle the impact, which could be like doing the training downhill, making sure you're sticking with your training, maybe doing some extra stuff just for impact. You know, like if you're a hiker and you're going to hike a long distance, you would just make sure you, you walked more distance or, or, you know, ran, ran decent number of miles. You know, you might consider increasing your mileage a little bit, maybe to, um, in the training so that you, your joints and everything else will be used to the higher impact of a downhill race, potentially. And then always, you can always strengthen the muscles around your, your legs and the support muscles of your ankle or so would always be useful. So there are a few exercises that I found online that will help you with the downhill running. Um, there are obviously squats. There are lunges. Um, there are lunges with weights, alternating drop box lunges, 
and banded posterior anterior forward lunges. So just in a nutshell, a lot of lunges, a lot of squats, and anything that you can think of that can strengthen your ankle. I know that once I broke my ankle, I did PT on a Bozy ball and just kind of helping, help, helping, helping balance. I think balance exercises are good because you strengthen the muscles that you might not use that often. You know, not running shoes are really good nowadays because they're cushioned and supportive and everything else. But then you might neglect some supportive muscles by having all that support and cushioning and flat roads that we run on now. Yeah. So balance balls and other stuff so can sometimes create instability, which then recruits those other muscle groups that might help. Okay. So that's a, that's a starting point. Obviously, we're no physiotherapists. So you can Google all that stuff online, but this is a good starting point, I think. It gives you ideas to search, what to search for, and gives you some things to think about anyway. Absolutely. So with all that said, we're now going to play an interview that I had with two people from the Revel Race series who talked to me about the Revel Races and how they were founded and where they currently are. If you're not familiar with them, it's a race series that has downhill marathons that we talked about just now very interesting very well organized it looked like and if you go to the website and you enter speed striders 10 you get 10 dollars off so are you ready to hear that story and hear about those races ryan yep all right so without any further ado i'm now going to play my conversation with the revel race series all right, so I am here with Troy and Adam from the Revel Race Series. Troy and Adam, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes, of course. So as mentioned in the introduction, you're from the Revel Race Series. So for those listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, can you maybe tell us what that is? The Revel Race Series is known to be fast and beautiful. Uh, it's generally downhill running, uh, about a 5,000 foot drop for most of the races uh, at different elevation starts. Our highest is in Rockies around just over 10,000 feet is where you start. And uh, every single race uh, of those start in the mountains and you have a very scenic run down a, a mountain path that just winds through the valleys and it's absolutely beautiful. That sounds pretty beautiful, and I'm excited to be uh, joining one of those in the fall myself. So let's talk about how the series came about. Who is the founder, and how did it all get started? Uh, Lane Brooks is the founder of the company, and uh, it started by he was in Southern California uh, driving down a mountain, and he just thought this would be a good idea for a race. Why don't people run down these beautiful mountain passes? And so then in our, our hometown of uh, Salt Lake, Provo area of Utah, he saw an opportunity for one of the valleys to have a, a finish where no one else was going. And so he just set out and created a course for that one. And it's quite odd because Lane is an electrical engineer. And so it has nothing to do with it, but he's, <laughs> he's very passionate about running him, uh, his wife uh, and him have ran so many marathons. They could basically just sign up for a marathon wherever they go because they're always ready to run. And uh, they have a passion for the sport. So 
it just worked out so well that uh, they started doing this series across many different states. That's awesome. So I guess, you know, that's, that's how it works for runners. You get into it and then it takes over your daily life. I'm assuming he no longer works in his previous position now that he has, I, I think, five race, races under his belt. He probably has five different jobs <laughs> that are, I mean, he, he is an engineer at heart. So that's, that's why we're here to help put on the races that he wants us to do. Um, but we have all of the Revel series, but then we also have the Portland Marathon and Mesa Marathon within our portfolio. So he's been expanding over the years on, on what the company does. Uh, Lane does electrical engineering. They do a timing business. He's been developing a lot of different things to help the company Brixy grow. Wow. That's impressive. That's cool. So you guys were saying the first one was in Utah. Uh, and then where else are those races now? Because I think you have, like I mentioned, I think five. Yeah. So we currently have, there's actually four. So we've narrowed it down a little bit. We expanded and then kind of dialed them all back a little. So we've got Big Cottonwood, which is our 10th anniversary coming up here in September, kind of the, the flagship race that we've started from the very beginning. Um, we have Big Bear, Big Bear in Southern California in November, just in time for it to kind of cool off and be a little bit enjoyable. Uh, Mount Charleston, just outside of Las Vegas in April. And then when we actually just completed um, a couple weeks ago, uh, Rockies just outside of Denver, Colorado in the first week of June. So lots of fun. That does sound like a lot of fun. And I thought you guys previously had one in Hawaii before. What happened to that race? Yeah, you had, uh, we have a couple different ones. We had one up in British Columbia called Chilliwack. We had one down in Tucson. Yeah, Hawaii. Uh, what it comes down to is uh, just how many people you can get to come back year after year. And so any of the races that just were not performing and, and bringing people back year after year, you just have to cut that loose and move on. Uh, we would love to get Hawaii back because, <laughs> I mean, personally, who doesn't want to go to Hawaii? But we'll, we'll have to see what that holds in the future. None of the races are, are gone, gone. Uh, there's always a possibility to come back in some sort of fashion. During the pandemic, there was a portion where we had limited edition races that were smaller races at more of a premium for people uh, to come and enjoy the race in a more safe uh, environment. So that, that's always a possibility, but uh, we'll, we'll see what's on the horizon. We're a, a growing company that has a lot of ambition. Yeah, no kidding. So you guys, according to your website, you pride yourselves in those unique courses, not just are they downhill, but also are they supposedly really, you know, there's a lot of nonprofit and local communities that you guys partner with. Can you guys maybe tell us a little bit about how those courses are selected and, and what you look for when you want to create that perfect race experience for the runners? I mean, the primary uh, metric for any of these courses is fast and beautiful. So that's number one, what you're looking for is does the course have an elevation drop that allows uh, it to be as fast as, as all the other in the series? And then number two, is it beautiful? If, it, if, if it's just uh, looking at a brown desert the entire way, it's it's not beautiful. So it doesn't qualify. <laughs> so you, you definitely have uh, those two metrics that you want to always maintain when looking at 
is this a possibility for a race? And there's not many places you can have a revel race because there's not many places you can do that kind of a drop um, safely and also work with the authorities to be able to close down the roads and work with the communities to have uh, everything shut down or partially shut down in order for all the runners to come through that day. Yeah, that's a lot of parameters you guys are looking for. I mean, I guess you guys will never be in Florida, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> we travel <laughs> well, that, for the races. <laughs> I want to say never. I mean, uh, you look at uh, us putting on the Portland Marathon and the Mesa Marathon. We're, we're getting into the Urban Race Series and uh, starting to branch out into different areas of where we, we go. And so currently, Colorado is the furthest east we are, but... Uh, it's not to say that we will not be on the East Coast sooner than later. Yes, yes, that's awesome. So then your races that you currently have, are they all certified Boston qualifiers? And what are what are things that are needed to be Boston qualifiers? Does Boston care that they're downhill races? <laughs> yeah, they are Boston qualifiers. Uh, the uh, They're not Olympic qualifiers. The only uh, one that we have that even comes close is our Mesa Marathon half marathon distance. Uh, the, the downhill definitely takes it out of the running for most qualifications, but every single course that we have is a Boston qualifier. And that is one of the perks of the fast and downhill beautiful races is it does help you achieve uh, a faster time than what most other races will help will do. So if you're on the fringe of being able to qualify for Boston, this is the perfect race for you. Uh, you just have to make sure that you train your quads to, <laughs> take, to take all that downhill running. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I'm assuming you two have done a few of your races. So that way you are, you know, experts and know exactly how to advise other runners on it so what does it take um i've i've done a few downhill races but i've never seen such uh, steep elevation drops as mount charleston and big bear which i'm signed up for currently uh, for november so what do you what do you guys think about that how much downhill is too much I don't think there is too much. Uh, it's just a matter of how you prepare. Just like for any race, you have to be able to prepare for what you're going to get into. If you're going to have a race that has some elevation climb, you want to make sure that your your body is used to climbing uh, however steep it's going to go. Uh, if you're you know in Florida at sea level, but then you're going to go do a race in Denver, Colorado, you're going to have some issues with elevation changes uh, just going up to 10,000 feet and your body not being used to running at that. Uh, if you're up, we're at currently 4,500 above sea level where we are. So that helps with, you know, training. And once you go down the sea level, you, you tend to have a better lung capacity to be able to run. But once that humidity hits you, we're in a high desert. We're not used to humidity anymore. And then humidity <laughs> will kick our butts. <laughs> so there's every time. There's always a, a complexity to training that you have to make sure that you are focusing on where you're going to end up. And when it comes to revel and downhill running, um, the best thing you can do is hit the gym, make sure those glutes and those quads are strong make sure uh you know you're you're strengthening all muscles around your knees and just getting your body as as uh prepped as possible leading up to a race yeah one of the biggest things if you do live in one of those flatter places 
either find a hill or find a gym that has a free motion decline treadmill that'll help you with those hills. <laughs> and don't plug them in super late in your workouts. You want to make sure you're doing those super early. Otherwise, it's going to catch you off guard the last couple of weeks of your workouts. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense because, uh, you know, the place where I live, the biggest elevation drop that we have is if we run up a bridge, then there's a 0.25 stretch of a little bit of downhill. So obviously that's not the same as an uninterrupted mile long, uh, drop. So, but at the same time, I live in Florida and they say the humidity is the poor man's hill training. So hopefully <laughs> something <Amen>. <laughs> So, so that's cool. So I guess, I mean, strengthen the quads, strengthen all the muscles around the knees and then, um, any other tips for downhill? Don't forget those glutes. That's yeah. squats. Lots of squats. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. miss leg day. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the biggest thing here is the, you're going to run faster than what you're normally used to. A lot of people when they're doing their trainings are used to regimented. This is my pace. Um, this is what I'm hitting by this mile. And you just have to be aware that uh, even going with downhill running, you, you have to adjust to what the terrain is. And you're going to have parts that are, are more steep. You're going to have parts that level out. Um, on the Big Bear course, the marathon uh, itself is actually rolling hills for the first couple of miles. It's absolutely beautiful, but you will have some up and down. So it's not just downhill running that you have to prepare for. You have to really look at the elevation chart for that course. Right. And I guess then the other bigger part that we have to adjust to as the runners that are not training in hills is to look at the paces on your watch and be okay with whatever it says rather than fighting it. Right. Because I heard that if you lean back and fight the pace and obviously you're going to slow down, but it's probably also more exhausting for your body. Yeah. It's yep. going to be super brutal on your knees. Absolutely. You want to make sure you kind of do lean into it. Um, one of the nice things that we do offer with our pacing teams um, throughout the course is you can pick up a pace band and all of our pace bands at our expos are geared towards pacing the course themselves. So it's not going to be, you know, they're going to fluctuate a little bit. It's not going to be a hardcore, you know, uh, split the entire time, which is really nice. It kind of trains you a little bit more. So you're not beating your body the entire way and you're not <clears throat> holding yourself back to the point where you are exhausted by mile 10 and you've still got 16 more to go. And for those that uh, are not used to training or this may be their first time or they maybe ran a marathon or two, but they're, uh, unsure about how to run with this type of race. We also do offer a coaching program. Uh, we have a fantastic guy, Coach Paul, who okay. will develop a program for you to help you train for the event. Okay. And that program, where is that uh, available? Runrebel.com. And then when you go to it, you'll select which race you want to choose from. And then under the registration platform, it gives you a little drop down for uh, selecting a training program. Okay, perfect. We'll put all that in the show notes. And then about you two, what is your favorite part about working for the Revel series? Ooh, what is yours, Troy? It's the runners. <laughs> I love the passion of the runners. I, I, I love seeing uh, my, my favorite part of like on race day is being at that finish line and seeing the people cross and the emotion and the 
just everything that comes over that I I love seeing somebody cry at the finish line so much. I'm usually that person and I'm not even running. <laughs> because you just see how much it, it meant to them and how much it took for them to accomplish their goal. And they're so happy to finish that. It, it's emotional. It's great. It's fantastic to see how it affects people in uh, such a positive way. It's a good cry. Yeah, it really is. I think for me, you know, it, it's always the runners. That's how I got my start into this business was I got a wild whim that I wanted to lose weight. And so I started running. And here I am now, over 10 years later, still running, kind of doing my thing. Um, so it's always been the runners, but also the volunteers. We have some of the most dedicated volunteers that come out year after year after year for our races. And truly without them, none of this would happen. So for me, it, it's seeing our excited volunteers, you know, some of them pick themes at their aid stations or cheer groups that show up. So it, it, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, are you guys going to actually be at Big Bear as well? Yes. We go to every single one of our Absolutely. races. <laughs> that's awesome. So I will probably be that person crying at the finish line because I've had this PR that I've been trying to beat for the last two years, hoping that I can finally use gravity for me. <laughs> oh, you've got it. You're going to beat it by more than you would think. What is the average of uh, amount of time that people normally PR? Oh, my goodness. I actually don't know. that. I, off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, but we do have uh, one of the fun things that we do is with all of our backdrops <clears throat> and photo opportunities that we have, we always have, you know, PR cards that you can kind of hold up. <clears throat> and it's always fun to see how many of those show up on social media. And it, it's just incredible. I mean, you've got people who have run, you know, hundreds of races down to people who it's their first time. And every time it's always exciting to see, see how excited they get when they hit that time that they wanted or exceed it by a whole bunch and they weren't expecting, you know? So it, it, it's always exciting to see all of those posts and kind of reaffirming to do, you know, see what we do and, all that incredible work that all these runners put in. So you'll beat it. You'll beat it. We also have uh, at each of our finish lines, a results tent that prints out a card for you to, of your, your time and everything. So you're aware of where you are, your placement and everything. But along with that, if you in your age group are uh, qualifying for Boston with your time, they'll even give you like a little gift to commemorate uh, the fact that you've got a Boston qualifier time. And Along with that, we have a PR bell that just got broke, <laughs> but, but that will be fixed and ready for the fall races. But if you do hit a PR, you know, you can celebrate it with everyone there by, you know, ringing the bell. That's awesome. How did the PR bell break? I have to ask. <laughs> I, I was not there when it happened, but it was at Mesa Marathon. Yeah, we were in Mesa and, and a very excited runner who beat her PR by quite a bit gave it a little too hard of a ring and the whole bell snapped off. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's a celebration you can't be mad at, at by any means. Um, but she felt so guilty. She it ended up getting set next to the post and she emailed us saying, hey, I'm so sorry. I broke your bell. I'm the one that broke it. I'll replace it. Um, and we, of course, gave her a hard time and said, no, you don't have to replace it. We're fine. So we're, we're working on getting a new one. So yeah. it, was, it was kind of a random email to come back to after the race, but we, we got a good chuckle out of it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's super funny. <laughs> 
So thank you guys so much for uh, coming on, talking to me. Any messages that you want the runners to hear about your races, if they're on the fence about signing up or maybe tell them where they can find everything? I think the, the best thing to know about it, uh, obviously Revel having four of the six races that we have is uh, a bigger brand within them. Like people know they sign up for uh, Big Cottonwood that they'll go to that race. They'll see things for Big Bear. They'll see Mount Charleston and Rockies. Uh, but really, we have a race for anybody. Uh, with our Mesa Marathon, we have a uh, 1K distance, a 10K half marathon marathon with Portland. We're testing out uh, having a one miler this year, along with our um, half marathon and marathon course. And this being the 50th anniversary of the Portland Marathon, it's a milestone year to run that race that, that has a completely different course than 48 years of that marathon existing that runs through all the different areas of Portland. It hits every single major area, the North, East, uh, all of it. And it's just a fantastic, beautiful course. Uh, and with Portland's keep it weird kind of style going with it. Uh, so there, there's so much more. If people are afraid of the downhill running. Just know that there's, there's something else for you. We, we have many different options for you as a runner to, you know, between the coaching program to develop into who you want to be and how you want to run. Yeah. And I mean, we love to have fun. So it, I mean, you, you're not out anything to give it a go is my biggest thing. Um, we love to have a good time, you know, with I'm, I'm one of the things that I oversee is busing. So in, in all of our cities, we have party buses or, you know, in Denver, we had a couple limos. It, it's just a good time. So regardless, you know, of whether, whether you think the downhill is for you, just give it a go. Cause it's, it's going to be a blast. It'll be a party. Um, and we, we know how to have a good time. Yeah, we, we make sure you <laughs> yes, uh, celebrate at the finish line. <laughs> I'm sure you do. It looks like you do. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for um, talking with me. And then if somebody wants to reach out, how can they do that? Yeah, they can go to runrebel.com. That'll take you to our landing page um, with all of our Rebel Race series. Um, if you're looking for any of our urban races, we have Mesa Marathon, um, as well as the Portland Marathon. So just hop online, Google it. Um, it'll pull up everything right there for you. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. I'm looking forward to meeting you both at the Big Bear Marathon in November. And anything else from you, Ryan? I'll have to uh, do one of those races one day. Yeah, because we love gravity. <laughs> <laughs> put our our whatever our ideas to to practice i guess yes we'll train and then eventually we'll do it so with that said happy running thanks for tuning in for more information head to www.runningpodcast.us and as always have a great week of running